Today's guest is Susan Fru. Susan is a business growth director and professional speaker at Raincatcher. Susan is a renowned keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, and the CFO of Sunshine Home Services in Denver, Colorado. Susan is a fascinating leader and someone who completely owns whatever room she is in. She will share her story of how one employee, one bad hire, placed her in over $1 million in debt, some of which was to the IRS. She will talk about how she led her team to a massive recovery and growth over the last few years. Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Susan Frew. Hey, this is Susan Frew, and you're listening to the Change Your Filter podcast with Paul Paul. Listeners, you are in for a treat. Today is a special day. Um, Not only is our guest incredibly dynamic, but this is the first Change Your Filter podcast that is actually recorded in person. And I was kind of nervous about it. That is until producer Matt completely obliterated the table, the glass top table that we're working on. So it was kind of an icebreaker. So thank you, Matt, who's also in the room, who doesn't get enough credit. You're doing a great job, by the way. Thank you so much. Wise beyond your years. So our guest today is Susan. Susan, welcome to the Change Your Filter podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and I'm excited to be in North Carolina too. Thank you. It's um, a chance occurrence that you're able to make it in from Denver, Colorado. And those who are listening who are close to me know how much I love Colorado and um, have been here seven years now, but glad to have you as a guest. Yeah, thank you. So I honestly don't even know where to start in this conversation (laughs) because there are the, the person I wanted to interview as I learned there's a lot more to you than uh, what I signed up for. So I'd love for listeners to know a little bit about you and your ventures and, and what you're up to and what excites you. But let's start by talking about cars. How do you connect cars to meaningful events in your life or where did that even come from? Well, you know, I have always felt that Marissa Tomei ripped me off in My Cousin Vinny, and I'm sticking with that. Uh, you know, I know just as much as her and that whole posy traction thing. Like, who doesn't know that in an Oldsmobile, for heaven's sake? Like, that was such a poser question. But anyhow, um, I think it started, I, I grew up in a small town in New Jersey, and we would sit on the bench uh, on the boulevard in Kenilworth, New Jersey, and we would watch cars go back and forth. And uh, one of the games we would play is guess the car by the headlights or the taillights. And then my brother was really into models, and um, you know, so he would build all the muscle cars of the 70s and 80s, and um, you know, I just got into it. And uh, you know, I have had probably 60 plus cars. I've had a lot of the muscle cars. I can identify them all. I usually know what year they are, and uh, it's just a fun game, I guess. What is your favorite car that you've had in the history of your car ownership? Well, I have to say it's now. I have a, I have a Cadillac. I'm an Italian woman from New Jersey, a white Cadillac, just where it is, and that's where it's going to be. And I just ordered the Cadillac Lyric, the electric one, which will be out next year. Uh, I was on the preferred list because I'm already a caddy driver, so... I'm going to be a Cadillac person for the rest of my life. And, you know, maybe someday I'll end up in Miami. I'll drive a little bit slower, but still in the caddy. <laughs> and you just found out you were Italian not long ago. I did. And, and uh, yeah, 2021. Yep. How about that? Holy 
look at your results and fall on the ground, Batman. <laughs> and were you excited about that realization or? Uh, well, you know, I thought it was Polish. And that, so like out with pierogi in with ravioli, you know, and I look Italian. And I like anyone I've said this to you, I've grown up with her like, wait a minute, you were an Italian? I'm like, you know, and everyone who would really know the real story behind all this has passed on. So I have nothing left but speculation and a whole lot of relatives with ending in vowels that live in New Jersey. And I'm going to Italy for my birthday this year. Hey, <laughs> why not? Good for you. I did the same thing in 2020 and I found out that both sides of my family are French and I shared it with cool. people and they were like, yeah, makes sense. You totally seem like you're French. But so let's get into it. I want to know, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your, your the different uh, business ventures you have. But who is Susan Frew and how did you end up in home services and how did you end up a keynote speaker and how do you have an alter ego that's going to present at an industry event coming up? What is going on? Who are oh you? Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. So many questions. Well, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I've lost my accent, I believe. And, you know, I lived in New York City for a long time. I loved that life. I worked for AT&T. So um, I was corporate person, AT&T, worked my way up the ladder, got transferred in the late 90s to Denver. And then I started working on a national team and launching new markets. And I ended up living in the Caribbean for two years. So I lived in Grenada and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So I was general manager of both of those countries. And then when I came back to the US, I ended up um, being half in Denver, half in Breckenridge. And I left corporate America and I bought a business coaching franchise. Uh, right at the beginning of the recession. And for some bizarre reason, I ended up coaching all these trades. And so to date now, I've coached, as of today, 20 different trades. And through that process, I met my husband and we started, uh, he had Sunshine Solar and Mechanical, uh, which is really like a one-man show up in Breckenridge. We moved to Denver in 2012 and started Sunshine Plumbing, Heating, Air. And uh, we grew it um, exponentially, all the things that I learned uh, coaching other people. And we made the Inc. 5000 list and within three years, I grew from one track to 10 like overnight. And I had always been speaking. So even my years back in, in New York City, like AT&T always had me as a spokesperson. I was on the, the speaker uh, lineup for... New York City victim services. And so I would speak to domestic violence victims. I would go all the way out to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which back then was really scary. Now it's fabulous and expensive. But um, so I've always done that. Even when I came to Denver, they had me speaking at the, the team meetings and doing trainings. And then in the Caribbean, I was on TV all the time. And it just became natural for me. And I loved it. And then, um, when I joined Plumbing, Heating, Cooling Contractors, they kind of caught wind of the fact that I knew how to speak. I was a woman who owned a contracting company and we were crushing it. So the rest is history, how they say. So that was about eight or nine years ago. And now I speak to trade audiences. Um, I'm certified in Profit First. I'm a certified business valuator. So I can do valuations of people's businesses. So um, I speak to a, a wider variety of audiences now. So that's, that's super fun. And you describe yourself as an expert overcomer. How did you, <laughs> how did you become an expert in that? And then, uh, share some stories or some, uh, you know, a little bit of history on things you've had to overcome. Jeez Louise. Well, 
Uh, first and foremost, uh, I have had 19 broken bones and 10 concussions. And uh, that is just a crazy story. A lot of different reasons. Uh, learning to ski and start racing in my 30s, that was dumb. Ski racing? Ski and race. How do you go from learning to ski? Sorry, this is, we're going to go off the rails here, producer Matt. Um, how do you go from learning to ski, which is basically survival, yeah. mountain survival, to racing? Uh, because I'm super competitive yeah. and I just just keep taking a beating. And like, that's why I think I'm a good entrepreneur <laughs> because you know, when most people will quit, I'm like, no, no, wait, we got another plan. Well, I, I think we can make this work. Like let's max out all of our credit cards and let's go do this marketing idea. It's going to be great. So, you know, I guess I like to live life on the skinny branches. Right. And I've always encouraged my clients to do it. And, you know, clearly, um, I try out all these sports and everything. That doesn't mean I'm very good at it. That's really not true. I am very athletic and I will try stuff that's probably way over my head. And, you know, I just don't have that fear. And so I think that those experiences have helped me to be resilient in business. And now, um, and our company went really sideways a couple years ago. You know, I'm the first to admit that I was not watching the farm. Like I was going out doing my thing. You know, I like starting stuff uh, and launching stuff and new things, right? So I kind of let the operations of Sunshine to, you know, I felt a trusted employee and I thought I came up with this really amazing business plan for her that she would get a bonus every single month if she could stay on budget, right? You know, great plan. I would have told my clients to do the same thing. But, you know, when someone has sort of a criminal mentality, what she did um, in order to make her bonus every month is she was shorting all of our payments. And that was to vendors, to the IRS, to everyone. Um, so if we owed $4,000 in taxes on a Friday, she'd pay three. If we owed $3,000, she'd pay two. Like, it would fall right through to the bottom line. And exactly, look right? So then we would look profitable. And like that's always a head scratcher in first quarter because you know if anybody's listening and they're uh, HVAC and plumbing, they're like, yeah, first quarter is a dog, right? <laughs> because like I don't, if someone knows the secret to making February great, please call me because like I haven't been able to figure it out in 11 years. Um, so, you know, I should, I, I was just wasn't paying attention. I didn't want to pay attention. Like I was doing my thing. I was speaking, I was coaching, I was doing, I was, you know, doing what I love. Um, and next thing you know, one Saturday, I'm standing there at home doing some doing some chores doorbell rings and it is a certified letter and i owe the irs four hundred ninety eight thousand dollars from a one-year period of time uh, no no because see what happened was is that she was shorting all these things but at the end of the year didn't realize that when the 941 came through with the w choose for the employees it would true up yeah. and then it takes the irs like it took almost 18 months in the cycle for it to come to light and so with the penalties, interest, and all of those little missing payments, uh, 489000 then uh, I got a $206,000 fine for not watching my employee. 
And then uh, we had $175,000 in uh, vendor bills that were behind. And <laughs> so I, uh, I wrote a letter to every single vendor and I said, I am going to pay you back no matter what you have my word. And if I have to work three jobs for the next 10 years to pay you back, I'm going to do that. What year was this? I'm sorry to interrupt. It was uh, 2019. Oh my gosh. So this isn't Okay, it's this is like history. fresh yeah. history. Yeah, so we had uh, this big shop on the highway, on Highway 76 in uh, Commerce City, and huge lighted sign on the highway, like big ego building, I have to, I, I call it, right? It's 5,000 square foot, like massive, probably way over our heads what we needed, big, huge parking lot. And we'd let our friends park their campers there. Like it, it was so, it was kind of bougie for a, uh, our plumbing, plumbing company. And so I had to make the really difficult decision of this. So, you know, I listened to Brene Brown. That was a mistake on this one, guys, because, you know, she said to be vulnerable and share your share your honesty. Okay, so I go into a meeting with all of my technicians and all of my employees and go, hey, we're like a million dollars in debt and I'm gonna get us out of this. Uh, and I know all of our credit cards are getting declined and every time you go to get gas, you can't. And uh, every vendor in town uh, is chasing me, but I'm gonna get us through this. And they were like, oh yeah, no. So a few of my core people, God bless them, stuck with me. Um, I took the rest of us and I put us in my basement of my house and I brought the cubicles, the carpeting, the copier, everything, and got a small shop down in the center of Commerce City, which is actually a better location. And then at the end of that year, we bought our friends plumbing company. They were moving out of town. We really bought their list, right? And I'll tell you, it was a godsend. Um, we merged our service Titan together. I shut off all my marketing, just did. So between their list and my list, I had over 30,000 customers in my service Titan database. Um, and we just kind of started all over again. And then the pandemic came and I was so grateful that we were like downsized like that because for a while there, it was scary. Um, and we did this thing called, uh, fun Fridays. And uh, I learned profit first and I went and got certified in profit first. And my office manager and myself, uh, we had these flip chart paper in one of the cubicles in the basement. And, and we had all of our debts listed out there. And the debts, and so what I put was how much could we pay each week and how long would it take us to pay it, pay it off? And then I sent a letter to everyone and I, and, you know, again, and I said, I'm going to pay you back. One vendor, one out of all of those people, didn't believe me. Just one. And they were horrible to us. Horrible. And you know who you are if you're listening. Um, and everybody else was wonderful. And uh, we did it. We, we <laughs> paid it all back. That's unbelievable. How long did it take to pay it off? Uh, two years. Um, so we paid back. So altogether, I paid back uh, seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars. There's still an outstanding that the one thing that's on me, and that's just because we're trying to, you know, navigating with the IRS is not an easy process, right? And you know, they were all working from home during COVID, so like they weren't really working at their office before. So like this just like really went sideways. So. Um, 
I do understand they're coming out with their, their guns blazing, though, from what I'm hearing from people, but we'll see um, what happens. But that's my last thing. And in the meantime, I said I'm working three jobs. I really did. I went, and um, when I used to teach for the SBA, uh, you know, when I was business coaching full-time, I used to bring in this brilliant woman named Marla DiCarlo, and she was my finance expert. She was a CFO, and she'd be my expert, and she would teach my class that, that night when it was money night. And so we stayed in touch, and she's the CEO of Raincatcher, where I now am the director of business growth. So uh, in the middle of all this crazy, she asked me if I wanted to pick up a few coaching clients, and then, you know, we talked about speaking, and then we talked about the synergies, and one thing led to another, and uh, after a year of being a contractor, in March of 2021, I came on staff. And so now on uh, my division, what we do is I do still do a lot of speaking. Um, I talk on a variety of different topics, which is fun for me, right, because I admit it, I like change. And then what I do is I do on-sites. That's why I'm here in North Carolina. So I have two clients this week that are Raincatcher clients that one of them wants to sell within three years. The other one uh, wants to build his company, but he wants to build it to sell. So he has all these great plans, and we are, we are building this company for him. So in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, he'll be ready to sell it. So we are, you know, so I come in on site and do a strategic plan for a client and uh, do a valuation of their business from soup to nuts. And then we work together with myself and their teams and we get them to where they want to be. And how much of your experience going through what you went through in 2019, 2020, 21 shapes and informs the way you consult and coach now? Oh, man, all of it. All of it. I am. I, I was a pretty good coach before, and I have some really great results. But now I'm just crushing it because I learned so many things from those experiences, and I have like caught people from making like big giant mistakes. And I was like, whoa, wait, you don't want to do that, and you want to protect yourself here. And then what happens if this happens? And you know, there's a lot of things I learned. Um, I think we were able to get through it because, and if you're going through this, number one is you got to get real, uh, you know, take yourself out of the ether, you know, uh, put, sell the Ferrari, like whatever crap you got, like you, you gotta, you gotta boil it down. You gotta get super lean. And that's what we did. We just got as lean as we could, um, be communicative to your vendors and, uh, people you're trying to negotiate with, um, and be honest with them. Um, about your team. Okay, so then Brene Brown comes out with this other video that says, you know, sometimes being too vulnerable could be harmful to you and others. Well, yeah, no, no kidding. So <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done that again. Were you naturally vulnerable or did you have, was it hard to like show your, the mistakes you made and your lack of oversight and all of those things? Was it hard to own up to that or did it take time? No, I mean, I'm from New Jersey. I kind of tell it like it is. Um, and I, I do consider myself to be like uh, humble in a, in a way like, okay, I screwed up. Like I'm a person who will own it. And that's what I did. Like I didn't, like I blamed my employee in a way, but I really blamed me because I wasn't watching. So now like words to the wise of all of my clients, inspect with you what you inspect. And even if you're just like popping in there a few times a week, whatever you're looking at, just be looking and asking questions. What kind of advice can you give to our listeners who 
either are experiencing um, an issue like this or they're upside down with a vendor or they're getting a little stretched out, how do you negotiate with vendors? How do you put yourself in a position where you can still have access to the things you need to create the capital to pay the debt? How did, what would, how did you approach that and, and why did everyone except for one person accept it? Okay, well, one, stop borrowing, okay? So y- you got to get real with this, right? So if your rent is outrageous and, you know, you've got these really big expensive trucks on the road that aren't producing and whatever you need to cut, you need to cut. And if you need to move out of the big fancy shop on the highway with the lightest sign, then you got to do it. And if you got to get in your basement, then you got to do it. Um, and, and that's number one. Like, you just have to strip yourself down Um be honest with your vendors, Um, you know, pay them something. So every single Friday, so we used a a program called bill.com. So the QuickBooks people out there will know that bill.com integrates. So we just sent whatever money we had on Fridays, we just sent a little bit. So we did a combo, basically, of Dave Ramsey and Profit First. And then I went and got certified in Profit First. So uh, even though we were broke for a while we put a little bit of money away and we use those formulas to take that money and to pay all of our vendors um i stopped taking a salary went on staff with Raincatcher uh full time um my oversight of sunshine now is i have a meeting with everyone every single monday morning uh we have a business coach that is not me because I think that's really important. I, I don't care if you're Tony Robbins, you need a coach who's not you. Um, I go in usually for the Tuesday meeting with the guys early in the morning. Um, I can see QuickBooks, I can see the payroll. I have an outside bookkeeper who I trust implicitly. Uh, she's an amazing woman. Um, she works with six or seven of my clients. She's, she's amazing. And that's the way we run Sunshine now. Still really lean. Everybody moved out of the basement. Um, now, and every, we moved down to our shop, we expanded our shop and we're back to almost where we were, but here's the thing. We're a lot more profitable now, even though our revenue might not be where it was until drum roll, please. We are going to be doing something big and market disrupting here, like right around the corner. I think I know what it is, and I think I'm pretty excited about it. You talk about competing on awesome and not on price, yeah. and companies, organizations pay you a lot of money to stand on stage and talk about that. What role did that play in kind of selling yourself out of the situation you were in? Like, how did you compete on awesome and not price? Well, okay, so we've always done some like kind of crazy things. So, one of the things that we do that people we get a lot of press about is if we can't get your stuff fixed on a weekend, we'll put you in a hotel. Now, I travel a lot, so I have a lot of Hilton planes, so that's no-brainer. Like, okay, well, we'll find you a Hampton Inn right by your house, and the kids will love the pool and the free breakfast. Well, that serves a couple of different masters on that one. You do not need to make sure that your technicians are sober and on call. Uh, Two, it's hard enough to get technicians anyway, so you don't want to say, okay, now you're going to be on call all weekend. Right. So putting people in a hotel is far cheaper than and, you know, employee saving, if you will. And it's very impressive. People love it. We've always sent gift baskets for HVAC and and larger plumbing jobs. We have um, always sent boo-boo flowers if we screw up. 
what else do we do? We always have dog biscuits on the truck. We do happy calls. That's really no big deal. But I think what I, what I, we did, and I don't think it's anything that's miraculous is we just sort of documented our process and we called it 12 points of love. And, um, we just marketed that. And I started applying for awards you know, that I realized that not very many people apply for, uh, you know, that in 5,000 lists, I'm like, okay, we got big growth numbers. Let's do it. And bam, we got it. And then the torch award, I'll tell you, that was a hard one. And that was, that is one worth getting because that speaks about your, your integrity and how you service your customers. And I will say um, that our service did slip. But I have personally made videos and got not, got on the market, um, you know, on social media. I've sent videos out to customers to be like, hey, I know that we are not the company that you loved in the beginning, right? And we're short-staffed and we can't get there when you want us to. Um, you know, the price increases are like relentless, right? We're getting hammered from every which way. And like, we're trying to figure out the pricing and you know what I mean? I know that you're not happy about it. Um, and, you know, we've gone through a bunch of employee changes and we're doing the best we can. So, you know, I would love it that if you would bear with us, if, if you can't, I understand. And, you know, I do think we lost some customers throughout that time. I do. Um, but with the new plan, which is threefold, um, I, I think that we're going to crush it in the next 18 months. That's my prediction. 18 month period of time, you posted something like 500% growth or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, 535%. What are some of the learnings? What were some of the moments that really made that happen? Well, here, here's one of the learnings. We were undercapitalized, right? Mm -hmm. So that was always stretching. And then I was sunshine sugar mama. So I had to work three jobs, speaking, coaching, and you know, running sunshine to make ends meet um, because like I had to pay for all of our household expenses. And then, you know, I just loved working really hard and then writing a check for sunshine's payroll. And, you know, and then I love it when somebody would complain about how unhappy they were about their paycheck. And I was like, dude, I just like, I'm working three jobs to pay you. So I don't have a whole lot of empathy and I'm from New Jersey. So like, there's that. And you're Italian. And I'm Italian, right? So like, I, you know, get off your butt and go make something happen. Go sell something. <laughs> so what is it you're most excited about? You just mentioned you have a new plan. You're going to disrupt the market. All right. So th this is what we're doing. For the last couple months, um, we have been playing this game. And I know a lot of people listening have been doing this too. Like, how the hell are we going to do this price book? right? Because the, the numbers are changing like every minute. And, you know, we've tried a couple of different things and, um, you know, then there's a training issue, right? Like if you're going to go with this system, then you have to have somebody training all the time. And then if that person leaves, then now we, you know, it was so complicated. So um, my very dear friend, Kathy Nielsen, who owns Operations Excellence, uh, she has a great guy on staff with her. And he came in and he started helping us with our, and we went to Service Titan's price book, right? And that is launching as we speak. It, it's a gradual thing because I am not rolling out anything anymore ever again that is not like 100% ready. Like it's gotta be baked. It's gotta be perfect because it's like a first date. But here's, here's my strategy. I know that employee retention a lot has to do with uh, driving around in your truck all day. So our territory is too big. 
And so what we are doing is systematically not marketing to anyone outside of a 12 to 15 mile radius around our shop. Um, no new marketing at all. So we're taking care of our existing customers, of course, and anyone in warranty or referrals or whatever. But um, what we are doing is calling that, that spot around our shop, and I made it like a big target. It's called the happy zone. So if you're in the happy zone, you're not getting a fuel surcharge or any other uh, panel, you know, upcharge or anything like that for fuel, you know, whatever happens to the economy, you're in the happy zone. So you're going to get all kinds of goodies. The employees love that because they don't like driving around in traffic. And especially if they get like a three o'clock call, which is 30 miles away and they're driving traffic. And now they got to drive 30 miles back home the other direction. Like, I think that kills morale more than anything else. Um, so we want to stop doing that. And, you know, we're not big enough that we could keep this guy in this zip code all day, right? Like that, that's something that, you know, wasn't going to, isn't going to work. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that we're doing. Uh, this new price book, uh, very, very exciting. Um, and I'm going to just, I'm going to go deeper into that in a second, but, um, we're also really bringing our team into decisions now. We are doing Monday meetings where we are like, we go through our rocks, we go through all of our ideas. Uh, we brought in an EOS coach, which is not me, and we do the, the meeting every single Monday. And no matter where I am, even if I'm not there, and the rule with EOS is if you're not there, you can't complain and you can't, you know, add your two cents. So. I'm pretty committed to it, you know, and I, I give the financial update. And so that's one thing that's really keeping us on track. Uh, we are making sure that nothing rolls off the, the sidewalk without doing a complete price overhaul on this bad boy from soup to nuts. And that's why we're doing the service Titan price book and with operations excellence connected to QuickBooks, because now we can be getting live feeds in from our vendors real time because that's that's critical right now and making sure that these trucks are stocked and that's not something i don't think we did that really well in the beginning because we once again we were undercapitalized so when our trucks aren't stocked enough it's terribly inefficient um we also do a lot of custom boilers which is my husband's signature and people love them and they're beautiful but they're extremely expensive and what we quote on monday might not be the same price on friday <laughs> so it, it's re it's a, too squirrely for me like i you know we go back and forth with this all the time i really want to just get into doing you know replacements right easy boom 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 um our next strategy is this and this is the big one. Uh, we are going to be an online digital plumbing and HVAC company. So, so this is why. This is what the market wants, right? People want to buy. They want information. They want to see videos. They want to read literature. They want to check prices. They want to learn. And our industry, and people are going to be pissed at me for saying this. I don't care, but it's true. None of the contractors been around for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So they, oh, we don't give prices over the phone. We got to send our guy out there. You know what? No one wants your guy to come and sell you something. And then they have three estimates laying all over the table. People want to shop online. They want to understand. Now, granted, can we completely 100% sell HVAC units online? 
very close with your system, but I do believe that there's human intervention in there in the middle of that. And what I think is going to happen is people can do their research. You want to do that on Saturday night on midnight in your pajamas, have at it. We're going to let you put in your address through your system. Uh, they're going to be able to get, uh, you know, we're an idea of the square footage of your home. Do the good, better, best, and that's what we're building right now. Uh, we're, we're actually doing a licky-loo on Monday on our packages that Operation Excellence has been building for us. And, uh, you know, along with American Standard and our team, like there's been input from everyone. And these packages are going to be very fairly priced. You'll have an option to do financing or not. Um, good, better, best. And then our people are still going to have to call you, though. I want them going out and verifying, like, what's going on out there before. I don't want us, like, ordering equipment and, like, having it delivered in your driveway. Like, that, I don't think we're there yet. We might be, you know, at some point, like, send a drone over. And when that happens, I'll be your first person who will try it. Um, but this is what the market wants, people. Like, this is it. Right, and the drop ship on the filters, recurring monthly revenue, yes. Doing monthly maintenance plans, yes. All of these things increase the intrinsic value of your company and the uniqueness of being the first, like big online, sunshine online. And here, here's the big message, full transparency. I want to put every single price on that website, everything. I don't care, just let's do it. Let's take the Band-Aid off. Stop doing this. We got to send our guy out. Now, I will say, you know, uh, blanket disclosure here, disclaimer, um, you know, with plumbing, I think it's even, it's harder. Well, you know, some of them, if it's custom, right? If it's a custom retrofit, your house was built in 1892, like we have no idea where those pipes are going, you know? <laughs> like you think you need a garbage disposal, but like everything's clogged from here to six blocks away. Um, you know, so in those instances, it's going to be impossible for us to do. But we can give you an idea. Let's give you a range. And, and this is what I think, too. I think that people get anxiety when they don't know. Yes. Right? Like, they're worried about it. Like, right right now, I ran over a tire. Uh, this truck in front of me um, the other day got a, a flat on E470, and I ran over it. And my, my car has been like floating around because it, I needed to find a body shop with a mechanic shop together that would fix a Cadillac. And so I haven't been able to get a price. It, was, it took over a week. And so I was kind of like losing it, like not knowing. That was the thing. Like if I knew, I would be fine. And I think that's what happens to people when their HVAC system breaks, their water heater goes, uh, you know, every drain in the house is like gurgling. They can't do laundry, um, you know, and they're worried. So let's give them what they want. Which isn't too much to ask for. It's just been held and protected by contractors. I'll be vulnerable here with you for a moment. At least I'll try. So I've been in HVAC my entire career. And yesterday was my really first day as an HVAC consumer with a major repair, a relatively major repair. So I had my maintenance done yesterday. Now I skipped two years of maintenance. Shame on me. I should like, this is on me. So my outdoor unit is caked and covered with all the things that it gets caked and covered with. And yeah. I have a leaking evaporator coil, which I'm really sad about on a five-year-old system, but I'll leave it at that. Uh -oh. It's the way the universe works. I'm okay with it. But here was the rub. So this is the installing contractor who I adore and love. They're a great company. But the technician came downstairs and he said, hey, the outdoor unit needs to be 
um, professionally cleaned with chemicals, not just with water, not just like what our normal maintenance would cover. And the two units together with this, it's $900. And I thought, okay, great. Well, here was the problem. I have no idea as a, this is a vulnerable, true moment. Okay. I know this business. I am pro contractors. I want to pay full price. I want to yeah. be in the customer database. Like I want the, I want to be the supportive of the trades, but I'm thinking to myself in front of my family, I have no idea if that's a good price. I have no idea if it's a bad price. I have no idea if it's the best price in the universe. I have no idea if they just gave me a $10,000 discount. I have no idea if they're ripping me off. And so I had to pause for a moment. I'm like, dude, I don't know how much this, like, I understand you have overhead. I have no idea. Is $900 to clean? Maybe, maybe more, maybe less. Here's what could have happened. He could have said, hey, look, I understand. That's a lot of money. You probably have a lot of questions. Pull open my website, sunshineplumbing, sunshineheating.com, right? Um, You can see here we offer four different cleaning. One is with water. That's $249. That basically covers me being out here. One is with this type of solvent. I don't really like that solvent for this area, but you can get away with it and it'll last about a year. This one that I'm recommending is $900 for the two systems because it does these sort. Now, or I could have done that privately in my own home. And when he says $900, I realize that's a good deal. So I can just imagine, like I have context, so I can, uh, orientation is the word that I'm looking for. So consumers can't orient with what something should cost and what they should be getting out of it. So they go into this tailspin, which goes to Googling, which goes to landing on HomeAdvisor or landing on Angie's List or landing on some blog. Or Amazon. Or Amazon. Which you can do now. So anyways, I I back off that a little bit to say, I'm excited for you to become the first online plumber um, or one of the first online plumbers. My my question now, putting your rain catcher hat on is, as you think about the valuation of your business, is it a different business because you're now an online tech-enabled e-commerce? Well, I hope so, because the first person... The first people that I ran this idea by um, was uh, Raincatcher has a market director that's digital. Like he just sells digital deals. Like he's a whiz. He's in California. Like he's the man. He sells all the big. We call him Digi Mark, um, and he has. Um, a consultant that he referred to me and he is an expert in online selling. So he's an Amazon consultant. He's written a book about it. Like he's, he's brilliant. And so I went to him and rolled the idea by him. And at first he's like, Hmm. Then he said, you know, anything over a thousand dollars, kind of the rule of thumb is you want to have a conversation. And then he's like, wait a minute though. You know, let me think about it. He's like, if they're doing the research, if you're giving them the tools to do the research and it's real and it's the real price, that's going to be Saturday night at midnight and Monday morning. And it's the same price. Like your credibility is going to go through the roof. Uh, your transparency rating is going to be off the charts and you're going to just take price off the table. And you know, we're never going to be the cheapest one. We're not. We are a full service company. Uh, we have overhead. We have expenses. Uh, you know, we do foofy things, I, you know, and we're not going to be the low. We're not competing for the bottom. We're competing for awesome. And the intrinsic value of my company now, because I have differentiated myself from everyone else, is going to go through the roof. I agree. Yeah. So a couple of questions as we round out here, because I know you have other things you have to get to. Talk to me about Thriftinista. I've read that you claim 80% of your clothing comes from a thrift store. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, it's probably even more than that. Um, 
So I started during the recession. You know, I, I've always shopped. I, I shopped a lot. I lived in New York City. I had 150 pairs of shoes in a 450 square foot apartment. Like so that. And those were not thrift store shoes. No, they were not. Yes. So um, during the recession, like I just couldn't shop at the stores that I used to. So my fr- I went with my friend to Goodwill first time ever, and she I, I found a pair of Ann Taylor pants for like five dollars. So I was like, what? I like pay eighty five bucks for those pants. So I got hooked and I made it fun and I gave myself a budget. I could spend $25 a week, which is it's a lot of money if you go in sale day. Um, and then everyone wanted me to teach them how to do it. And so I said, you know, I don't have time. I, I don't I have time to do this. I said, I need a bus. Well, lo and behold, some woman in my Rotary Club comes to me with a bus and we turn it into a fundraiser. So she loans me the bus, we charge people to get on the bus, and then I take them around to thrift stores and I teach them how to do it. And I give them a shopping map and they, uh, you know, I don't really know much about colors. I'm like, what color do people like you in? Blue, okay, that's your color. Uh, that, that, and I have lunch and breakfast and lunch that I sponsor and I would have them meet me at the plumbing shop. And I would have 40 women who were mainly homeowners on my bus, and then they became customers. So uh, some people in town only know me as the thrift Denise. They don't know me as anything else other than that. Um, and it's, so that's really fun. And I have kind of a following on that. And um, yeah, I still and I and I actually coach a consignment store, which is really fun, because uh, who better to coach a consignment store than me? <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's that's it's been really fun, and I love it. I mean, I already went to the Goodwill here. Did you really? Yeah, not not loving it. I have donated many of things to the Goodwill. You know, thrifting is becoming cool for kids, and and there's small boutique shops popping up that are yeah. just merchandising old T-shirts and selling them for twenty five dollars. It's so interesting. Well, well, here's the thing: the average American disposes of sixty eight pounds of textiles a year. Now, that could be rug, a a, a drape, a clothing, whatever it is. Soles of a shoe last for a thousand years in a landfill. If people would stop doing that with their clothes, that one thing, they it would be like taking a million cars off the road in greenhouse gases, right? So what I call it is unintentional pollutants. Because now that people hear that, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And another thing people don't know, if you got something that's dirt, dirty, stained, ripped, destroyed, whatever, Goodwill will still take it and they'll use it for other things. They'll recycle it. So, Is that your favorite thrift store? Mm, not, not always. I have different ones. I try to go in every market I go to. Um, I'm going to Dallas next week. I am stoked because they have... Some shoppers in Dallas. Dallas, man. And they, their consignment stores are like mind-blowing. And Scottsdale, Arizona, that's another really good one. Uh, yeah, so wherever I go, I always stop. Good for you. Well, one of your gifts, and I've, I've met you once before this, but one of your gifts is you know how to own the room. How do you, how do you encourage women in the trades to show up and, and own the room and build their confidence in the trades? You know, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer that. Like... Just give yourself credit for what you know, right? You know so much more than you think you know. So, you know, there's that statistic. I, don't, I might get it wrong, but like a man will apply for a job when he's like got 20% of the qualifications. He's like, yeah, I'm going to apply for that job and get it. A woman will have like 85% and she won't apply. 
right? So that's the thing. It's confidence. And just, you know, just go, go for it, right? Go big or go home. Um, there's, you never know about tomorrow. <laughs> Can you tell me some strategies or I guess advice for listeners about how to recruit a rock star team? I know that's important to you. Rock star recruiting for a new generation. Well, I, um, I found this coffee house in uh, Reunion, Colorado, where near where I live, and they have a waiting list of 25 kids uh, to get into their job training program to work at a coffee house for minimum wage. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I need to know what they're doing. So I went over there and I, I started interviewing the kids. Um, and finding out why they wanted to work at this coffee shop. Because I wanted to know, like, what, as employers, what are we doing wrong? Like, why would these kids choose a coffee house instead of my business? And I learned some interesting things. I have a lot of it on video. And I joke that I had to edit out the eye rolls. Because <laughs> there were a fair amount of eye rolls in there. But here's, here's the, well, I'll just ask you, what do you think, uh, top three things that, someone between the ages of 18 and 25 are looking for in an employer flexibility in terms of hours uh attire what they can wear um i can't even think of i'm that disconnected from the generation so community community is one they want to feel part of something bigger uh community they love uh they love a company that stands for something or donates or gives back our team's always gone to the food bank and served as a team like we don't just give them money we go um and, and our teams always love that thrift Anista is a nonprofit. another thing they wanted to be heard and seen as a as a person and not just a number like they want you and me to know each other to know them know about their family and to care um, and and I'll, I'll get touch on this, but here's the other one, folks, if you're listening to this. So the flexibility was true. And, you know, how do you do that in plumbing and HVAC? Well, you go with a modified schedules, do three twelves or four tens, or you know what I mean? Get, let them get their 40 hours in, in a different way. Um, it's fine. Right. Or, or swing shift it. Like if somebody's got a child situation in the morning, let them work from 10 to seven, like, you know, work it out. Don't be so rigid. Um, Another thing is, everyone told me this, they want mental health to be treated like a real thing. Um, you know, kids today, um, mental health is, they are vulnerable about it. They will say, I have anxiety. I've suffered from depression. I've had dark thoughts. Like people in my generation, your generation would never say that. It would be shameful. But these kids are willing to say that, but, and they want you to respect it and to treat it real. And, you know, um, a lot of the older guys and gals in the trades, they, they're not taking that seriously. And, and they, you know, tell them, you know, call them snowflake or whatever. So don't do that. That's bad. But here's the other thing that I found. And now I should be shooting myself in the foot. Do not play this in Denver. What I'm finding is um, I started doing some reverse uh, video lookups on, reverse lookups on Indeed, right? Which everybody knows to do that. You know, you find your guy, but send them a personalized video and be like, Paul, I saw your resume. I think you'd be perfect for this job. Because like when you worked at this company, this company, and this company, I think that would be fantastic. Let's do a quick Zoom call tomorrow. Let's see if like your values and mine fit. And if so, I'm going to bring you in. Um, and that 
was a huge hit. And you're just creating an iPhone video and attaching it to an email or? Well, you have to do a, in that, in that context, you have to do a YouTube video or Vimeo because you can only send a link. You can't like, I have bomb bomb. You can't attach bomb bomb in there unless you have their email address, then you can do it. Um, but then also doing video, uh, requests on social media about looking for somebody and telling them about your company and your your values. And if you don't know what your core values are, you need to figure it out. Because if you don't know what they are and you can't communicate them, you're not going to have that heart connection because today's worker wants a deeper level of connection with you. The good news about that is once you have it, it's there. So if as you look at all of your accomplishments, all you've overcome, what are you most proud of? Where are you most proud of yourself? That I have 250 pairs of shoes and I didn't pay retail for any of them. (laughs) (laughs) My wife is maybe listening to one of these. I'm going to make her listen to this one. So our final question, um, how can people connect with you? How can they touch base with you? What's the best way for them to get to know you? Well, LinkedIn, but don't try to sell me anything because I will cut you off. Uh, You will get a video from me and it's not going to be a nice one. Uh, So LinkedIn, Susan Fru, with my new designation, Susan Fru, CVGA, Certified Value Growth Advisor. So I was teasing my boss because the exam was so hard and you had to do calculus and you had to figure out uh, all these calculations to value a business and all that. So I go, yes, my, she goes, so what's your new designation? I'm like, Susan Fru, I go, LAS. And she goes, LAS. I'm like, lucky as you know what? (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay. We're not putting that on your business card, but you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Susan Fru. You can find me on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm a thriftinista or uh, Susan Fru coaches, I think. Susan Fru coaches or speaks. You'll find me. I'm out there. This episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Contractor Commerce, plug and play online stores for contractors. We see a future where every contractor has an online store.